In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I uh, began to prepare this week for this Sunday service, I actually had a couple of thoughts in trying to decide what to do. Uh, the first thought was, why bother with a sermon since none of us will be here Sunday morning anyway? Good thing I didn't take that choice. The other was, was how to talk about what's happening here this morning as we confirm and receive and reaffirm and then collectively together reaffirm our baptismal vows. So I took immediately, I took a look at the readings. And of course, I read the first reading and I thought, you know, for people who are making a renewed commitment to the church, the example of the martyrdom of Stephen is probably not the best advertising. <laughs> so maybe I should avoid that. And then this morning, between services, I had another thought. While I was at the reception after the first service, somebody asked me uh, about the traditional slap on the face at confirmation. And I also subsequently discovered that at least one of those who are to present themselves this morning had very much interest in that. It's an ancient practice, uh, which lasted in the Episcopal Church until sometime in the 70s. The whole point of it was that after the bishop laid hands on your head, he gave you a slap on the cheek. It was a reminder that the Christian life is not always easy. I remember my own confirmation, uh, the bishop slapping me on the cheek, and I told my mother afterwards that I thought the bishop had been a little vigorous about it. Her only reply was, well, I guess he knew who he was working with. <laughs> so after looking at all that, I want you to take out your bulletins before you go home. Don't do it now. Look at that reading from the Gospel of John, which is filled with the word believe over and over again. I want you to take a pen and cross out every one of those. It's a terrible translation of what John is trying to say. I agree with Raymond Brown, the great John scholar, that everywhere in John's gospel where the word pistuo or some form of it is translated, it shouldn't say believe, it should say trust. This reading we heard from John's gospel this morning at its core is about the fact that the apostles do not trust Jesus. This encounter with them is all about trust. Now, we know the story later. We know that something happened to the apostles somewhere along the way, that their lives changed, that somehow this ragtag bunch of 11 disciples who would soon become 12 again with the addition of Matthias would missionize the world so much so that people on the other side of the world in the land that they had never heard of, would sit in a pew in a church called All Saints in a place, strange place called Atlanta 2,000 years later. They became to understand what faith was about. And it was that change in understanding from the gospel reading that we heard today that made all the difference. That word translated into English, probably ought to say trust everywhere it says believe. Because in the modern world, we've come to use the word believe 
about propositions, intellectual propositions. Do you believe the world is going to end? It's an intellectual proposition. Well, only marginally intellectual as far as some of us are concerned. That's not about faith, folks. That's not about faith at all. Faith in the Bible is about an unwavering, abiding trust in God. And that's what's at stake in the core of this encounter in John's Gospel. Jesus knows his future. He tells the disciples that he's going to go away, but that he will come back. Uh, and this is one place I like the King James Version. I, the thought of many mansions is much nicer than a bunch of rooms, as far as I'm concerned. But he says to them, I'm coming back. And their immediate response is fear. Tell us where you're going. I mean, Jesus says, I, you know where I'm going. Well, tell us the way. I'm the way. Well, just show us the Father and everything will be fine. The fear response. The fear response. The truth of the matter is, is that we think, we moderns think the opposite of faith is unbelief. It's totally wrong. The opposite of faith is fear. Of operating out of a climate of fear of allowing the fears that we have to dominate our lives, to dominate our decisions, and to dominate our actions. I am the way and the truth and the life is a call to live a life filled with godly trust. We call that faith. Faith isn't an easy thing. See, the problem with faith is you can't prove it. That's what makes it faith. Because the minute you prove it, it's not faith. It's just another true proposition. And so you have to take leaps. That leap of faith. An interesting phrase coined by a rather strange Danish philosopher, a guy by the name of Zoran Kierkegaard. If you have insomnia, read his books. <laughs> Kierkegaard said this about life. He said that man, in order to grow, must leap, take the leap of faith into the darkness of unknowing. But once you take the leap, you discover that with God you never leap downward, you always leap upward. Abiding trust in God is the core of not only of today's gospel, but of all the gospel. That's why the disciples struggle so much. Because they live lives that are dominated by fear. We can laugh about it, but tens of thousands of people this weekend allowed their fears to dominate their life. They gave away all that they had, everything else, because they thought they wouldn't be here this morning. They were driven by fear. The gospel call to us is to set aside fear and to live a life of abiding trust in God.
to allow ourselves to live up to our own vocation, to become the people God called us to be at the moment that he brought us into being. We are people filled with possibility, but possibility is always only possibility until we trust God enough to make it real and present in the world through who we are and what we do. I do find it interesting that the Greek word pistuo, uh, that we often translate as either faith or belief, is an interesting word because it, the verb has no passive forms. You can't have faith. You can only do faith. We've sure mucked up that language in the Christian faith, haven't we? We talk about how much faith we have. It's about what we do. Because trust requires action. Because that's what makes it real. What takes place in the world, what has flesh on it, what comes from the incarnational moment of action is what makes the difference. This morning... We're going to confirm, we're going to have some reaffirm their baptismal vows publicly, their own commitments. We're going to have others who will be received into this communion. And then we are all going to stand and renew our baptismal covenant. We are making a promise to live as people of faith. To go into a world that lives out of a climate of fear. Our world is in pain, it is suffering, violence dominates good sense, poverty is growing, and for some reason, God has chosen us to be the remedy. He calls upon us as people of faith to trust him and to trust ourselves and to be the transforming influence in a world that needs desperately to be transformed. That's the commitment we're making when we renew our baptismal covenant, to trust that God will empower us enough that we can be the transforming force that changes the world in which we live. He has given us the gift and the power to do it. We just need the faith to carry it out. Amen.